Welcome to My Journey of Faith, hosted by Cynthia McCutcheon, wife, mother, Bible teacher, and speaker. A gathering place for Christian women to proclaim the love of Christ by sharing compelling life stories to encourage, inspire, and equip women on their personal journeys of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us on this journey. Here's your host, Cynthia McCutcheon. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to my journey of faith. Again, I'm Cynthia McCutcheon, and it is just a beautiful day in the Lord today. Um, Psalms 51.10 talks about, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, we're going to talk about the heart today, and it's probably not the heart of your emotions or your, your soul, but the actual heart that God has placed in us and how He has taken our guests on a journey through with him through her heart today my guest is betty lacy a recently retired wife of 39 years and mom of two sons both firefighters and i gotta stop there because i'm a mom of two sons and i just love them <laughs> she's a mimi to four grandchildren and most of all she's the child of the king of kings and lord of lords she considers every day a gift from her heavenly father and she lives each day to the fullest Betty is beginning to get the hang of retirement after working in real estate for the last 23 years. Her days consist of Bible study, writing devotionals and stories, taking care of her home and family, working at, a ch at her church, and she's there so much they even gave her a desk, where she works with the women's ministry and senior adult ministry. In her spare time, she enjoys quality family time, watching grandkids, cooking, reading, writing, shopping at thrift stores, flea markets, taking old photos of barns and buildings, traveling Arkansas, and speaking at women's ministry meetings and, and retreats. Hi, Betty. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you today? I am doing wonderful. Boy, it doesn't yeah. sound like you really retired. You're doing lots and lots of things. <laughs> you never retire. It's uh Sanders told me the other day, say Christians never retire. That is exactly true. That is exactly true. Well, your story has to do with the heart. Let's kind of talk about your story. Kind of bring us up to date of what has happened. Take us back a little bit and um, show us this journey God has you on. Okay. He has taken me on a journey for many years. In 2002, I was diagnosed with atrial fibrillation, and it was caused some congenital heart defect. And I had been treated with numerous medications, and my body does not respond to medications like normal people do. My heart rate would get up into almost 200 beats a minute, and I'd have to go to ER and be shocked. At one time, they shocked me 22 times in one in one visit, and my heart did not convert. Oh my. I spent five days in the hospital, and God converted my heart. That was the only way it could. It had to slow down, and it did when he did that. But on January, on Friday, January the 10th of 2014, I woke up, didn't feel well, was lightheaded and busy all day and tired, but I went on to work. And when I came home, my husband asked me, 
unfortunately, he asked Harold, he every day, and he asked if to die. And I told him no, because I always knew when I was an AFib, because I could feel it. And I said, no, I'm not an AFib. Next morning, I got up to go to a women's leadership annual planning meeting and just didn't feel well. It was less than a mile from my house, so I didn't have to drive very far, and I left because I was feeling lightheaded and dizzy. And I slept in the recliner most of that day, and whenever Bob would take my blood pressure, it would be up and it would be down, but the pulse rate always showed error. On Sunday, it was the same thing, and then on Monday morning, on January the 13th, I was unable to get out of bed without help. <clears throat> Excuse me, Bob called the doctor, and we had an appointment at 10 o'clock, and when I was taking a shower, everything began to escalate. I was leaning against the wall of the shower to keep falling, and when I stepped out of the shower, I blacked out for a few seconds and called for help. And that is when Bob took my blood pressure, and it was 82 over 40, and the heart rate was still reading error. And I told him that I needed to go to the ER. And he was on the phone with the doctor at that time, and he agreed with him that I did need to go to the ER. I was again, and we didn't call for an ambulance because it takes an ambulance 25 minutes to get to where we live, and we can be at two hospitals in 15 minutes. Oh my. So, so Bob decided he would drive me to the hospital. On the way there, my breathing became more difficult, and I felt like I was coming in and out of consciousness. And about two miles from the hospital, the breathing really became difficult. And within a few seconds, I could see the hospital, but I was unable to breathe. I couldn't inhale and I couldn't exhale. All I could hear were gurgling sounds. I remember pulling up to the ER, and then I don't remember anything after that, except voices and white. Everything was white and just getting brighter and brighter. Uh, when they got me into the examination room, there were two people in there. I could hear them talking. There was a woman and a man. And they were asking me questions, and I was answering the questions, but they just kept telling me she can't talk. And uh, I just found out that when you do that, if you have a near-death experience, your mind doesn't stop working. So I was answering their questions, but it's only my mind. Hmm. And the white kept getting whiter, and it kept getting brighter, but it was warm, and it was peaceful, and it was calm, and that's the only way I can describe it. And I've never had a piece like that, and I could hear these people, everyone talking, and someone said, I've never seen a zip like this, and someone said, it isn't a zip, it's VTAC, I need a crash car. Well, when I heard someone say that, I started praying to the person who needed the crash car oh. because it wasn't me. And then when I heard all the commotion going on in the room, then I realized they were talking about me. And the light was getting lighter and it was going brighter. But yet the peace just kept getting calmer and calmer. And the last thing I heard the voices around me say, was we're losing our horse uh, crash cart. And I remember I told God that it was okay if I died 
because I was ready to be with him. And I asked him if that's what death felt like. But then I heard another voice that had not been in the room. And it was a voice coming from behind me. And I could feel hands on my shoulders. He said, God, this has finished with you. And then I felt a pain go through my body that I never felt before. And it's when they shot me. Mm. Time stood still. I don't know how much time it passed from when we got to the hospital to when they did this. And I don't know how long it was before I came to. But when I came to, I kept saying, God isn't finished with me. And everyone in the room just kept agreeing with me. <laughs> and then finally, the nurse said, you know, what do you mean? And I said, who was the man at the head of my bed? And she said, Miss Lacey, there was no one at the head of your bed. And I said, yes, there was. I'm sorry, I get emotional. I'm sure. And uh, she said, what do you mean? And I said, there was a man standing there. He had his hands on my shoulders. And he was telling me everything was okay. God wasn't finished with me. And she said, it was your guardian angel. She said, you had one. And but this is frequently around here. One of the doctors said, told me that when people of faith have near-death experiences, no one can explain exactly what happens to them because they're the only ones who really know. And one of the doctors told my husband she could not believe that he would be talking to her. She felt he would be talking to the funeral home because he... It was just a matter of minutes before they would have not been able to revive me. I was not resurrected. I was resuscitated. I want to say that. Yeah. The gurgling I heard was me was me when I wasn't breathing. My lungs were filling with blood. The human heart stops pumping at 300 beats a minute. It starts quivering. My heart rate was at 333. Oh, Normally wow. 60. I don't know how long. I don't know if that's been going on for several days or what. But on January 13, 2014, my Heavenly Father reached out and heaven bestowed on me more grace and favor than I deserve. And for that, I pray and be grateful. I thought I'd be able to describe this every time without crying, but I can't. I'm sorry. I spent the next several days nice with you and God and I we had a lot of conversations because I couldn't move. They had me strapped down. I couldn't get up. I couldn't turn over nothing. And it felt like Jesus was there holding my hand. Mm-hmm. We had lots of talks. He told me what he wanted me to do with the rest of my life. I didn't make him any promises because you break those. I just told him I did this that I could. And I just started listening to him. I asked for my laptop and that got vetoed really quick. But I did, my husband did manage to sneak in my iPad. So I could write things down on what I was going through. And when I did get to go home, I was very, very ill. And on February the 13th, I underwent a five-hour heart ablation. 
And that's what Cato has the same heart problem I do. And when ablation is done, they go inside your heart and remove trash. And that's what they call it. They call it trash. Max asked his doctor if he could remove all the lies and sand and all the other trash while he was in there. I asked my doctor to do the same thing, and they both doctors said exactly the same thing. It was both their pay grade. <laughs> and I was placed on medication, a lot of it. But I continued to go into ACF. But I had already started my life for Christ. I've been a Christian for 21 years, but it was new. I was a new life in Christ, even all over again, because He had given me a new direction and a new purpose. And in April of 2014, I gave my testimony to 48 women when I spoke at a women's retreat and started writing my blog. And one day, a friend of mine told me, she said, you've changed. And I asked her to write down exactly how I've changed, and she wrote me a letter. And it said, baby, I've noticed several changes in you since your life-changing experience. She was standing outside in the hall when it happened. You take one day at a time, you're much calmer. Things don't tend to bother you as much anymore. Take one day at a time to start the song. You're so calm. Relax, not even fit in here. There's a peace, both with yourself and with God. I see God in your everyday living. I see a smile on your face and laughter in your voice and an overall happy person. All the changes that have been for the glory of God, because all things happen according to Him. I love you, my friend. I cherish that letter. I had a second ablation on all days, September the 11th, 2014, because the first one had not been successful, and the doctor felt like he needed to go in and do some more. And I want to say this about my doctor. He is a wonderful Christian. He grew up Hindu, but he's now a born-again believer. And when you say Jesus, he likes it like a Christmas tree. Uh And it's so wonderful to be in the room with him. They did second ablation, and I had complications after surgery. I had internal bleeding. I was in the hospital for five days. Sent me home on medication again. And still, it was the same thing. The medication didn't work. And this same friend who wrote me the letter happened to be watching TV one day, and she saw on Channel 7, I think it was, just a thing about people with atrial fib because there are more and more people who have atrial fibrillation. And there was a doctor in Texas and his partner, he and his partner, he developed a new procedure for patients who had had at least two heart ablations in, that were unsuccessful and medications did not work. Mm. And so I began researching Dr. Mstala and Dr. Burkhardt and think about it and we decided that when we went back to the doctor for our checkup, that we were going, but he said, we need to go back in again for the third time. 
we were going to ask about this doctor. Well, on Christmas Eve of 2014, I went into, I said, prepad, called the doctor and said, we're on our way to Little Rock. And they said, if you're eating this morning, I said, no. And they said, don't eat because we may have to go to Shotsky before the day's over and we don't want anything to happen. Uh, we got over there and uh, they decided to change my medication to see if it would work and if it would help. It did bring me out of AFib for a couple of days. I kept going back in and out. And in January, when I went in, Dr. Chaka came into the room and he looked at me and he looked at my record and he said, uh, I'm going to recommend that you go to Austin, Texas, to the Texas Atrial Fibrillation Clinic for Dr. Denali uh, and for Dr. Burkhart, which were the two doctors that we had researched. Oh, wow. So we knew where we were going. <laughs> Needless to say. And uh, he sent my records down there, and they contacted me, and they said that I was a candidate for the surgery, and they had it scheduled for May the 8th. And we left on May the 6th, had tests on May the 7th, saw the doctor for the first time on May the 7th, and had surgery on May the 8th. And I knew when I woke up if it worked, mm. because I felt like a different person. Uh, they did put me on medication and on a blood thinner. And this time, he said that what my doctor did in Little Rock was perfect. But I needed what he knew how to do. And what they did, there are two things. One goes around your heart and one goes over and under. They ablated or cut off those two things. And then everyone is born with an appendage on their heart. If you have open heart surgery, the appendage is removed. And when you're conception, at conception, this appendage begins to form, and it's the first part of your heart. Before, and then your heart develops at the end of this appendage. Some people, it's like an appendix that causes problems, and they have to go in and remove the appendage, which is they went in and they ablated my appendage. They cut it off from the blood supply. But I always thought that it was kind of neat that everyone's born with an appendage on their heart. And that's how their heart forms. And God knew this. When he formed me inside my mother's womb, hmm. he knew about that appendage. And he knew that there would be doctors who could help me with this. I came home. My heart rate continued to drop, and when it got into the lower 40s and upper 30s, we called the doctor, and it was three weeks after the surgery, and he said, I really don't know what to do, but we're going to have to stop the medication. So they stopped my medication, and that was the first of June, and I haven't been on medication since. Wow. I have not been a fit. I've had a couple of slaughters. It takes the heart six months to heal. I go back in November, and they will go down. I don't know how they do it. They go down through your throat to listen to your heart. It's called a TEE test. And he will see if the blood is still in the appendage. And 
I may need a little bit more surgery or I may not. And at this point, we're claiming that I will not need it and I will be off the blood thinners. Mm, wow. And all this is to the glory of God. And through all this, he has told me so many things. He told me, he said, I know you've already got a website, but that's not the one you're going to use. And at that time, I thought I was going to be doing frugal homekeeping. And he said, no. He said, a woman's heart is in her home. I want you to go tell the story about your heart and talk about hearts in a home that women can make and how their heart has to be in their home for it in order for the home to be successful and to be part of it and for him to be an essential part of that home. And so he gave me my website, which is www.com heartandhome.com and I said and I argued with him I said God you've got to be kidding me heart and home everything is heart and home that won't be available he didn't say anything so I went on to godaddy.com and there was heartandhomeministry.com was available wow so I said okay where do we go from here <laughs> Well, my husband told me, he said, well, if God told you to do it, it shouldn't cost any money. He said, you can do whatever you want to as long as it doesn't cost anything. And I said, $14 for two years would be too much. And he said, no, I think we could handle that. So I bought URL, found a provider to host the website free of charge. And I began writing on Facebook and on my blog. And... I just started doing that. I write whenever and whatever God tells me to. And if I miss a couple of days, I'll have someone call me, stop me at Walmart. But I, I always include flowers at the bottom of it. And so I haven't seen my flowers in a couple of days. Where are my flowers? Hmm. But I have women of all ages who are following me on Facebook and on my blog. I have uh, spoken to two retreats and to one church since uh, May, and I'm just doing everything I can to live every day for the Lord. That is amazing, Betty. Thank. Wow. What are what are some things? Because I'm you're so right. God told you exactly. You know that the heart, the women's heart, needs to be in the home, and that's such a struggle now for women that get so pulled out in the corporate world and all of this stuff. So, what are some things that you're encouraging women to to reput their heart back in the home? How are you doing that? Uh, one of the things because I think right now. I know in the Southern Baptist, all the meetings that I've been to, they're trying to focus on the younger women. And with that, the younger women are overwhelmed if their children are in school or even if they have young ones because the majority of them are still working. So one way, I'm trying to do things and show them ways that can be easier for them at home. Now, things like freezer cooking. Mm. Get a friend and freezer cook for an entire month. Put it in the crock pot before you leave to go to work. Then you're not coming home. What am I going to do? The kids are screaming. They're hungry. Nothing's ready. Your food's ready. 
just to take some burdens off of them and the different ways that they can do that. And one way that I'm doing it is to work senior citizens into this because they've been where these women are. Exactly. They know things that they can do to help them. And it's, I don't want to say listen to your grandmother or listen to your mother, but it's we will listen to other women before we will listen to our mother. Exactly. And it's just showing them different ways that they can do, different things that they can organize to where they will have time. But the first thing they need to do, they need to spend time every morning with the Lord. They need to go on the scripture. They need to uh, spend time in prayer. I know I'm sitting in my war room right now, and I've been working on my war room wall. <laughs> You've seen the movie. I want to be that lady when I get older. Oh, wait a minute, that woman prays. No, I want to be the one who prays like that. And uh, I've you know, got sticky notes all over my wall right now. And it takes a while to get to, you know, to pray for all those sticky notes. But there are just so many things. You know, I don't want women to be overwhelmed to where they feel like they can't come to Bible study on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights because they need to stay home and wash and iron and clean. That if I can show them how they can work all that into their schedule and be able to get there. And there's one thing that I do, and it comes from uh, but the best, yes. Mm -hmm. that, uh, I was one of the editors of that book for Lisa uh, Turquist. And there's when you write down how many hours you spend a week. I have had women spend, tell me that they were spending 300 hours a week doing different things. There's only 168 hours in a week. Oh, my. And if you stop, if you don't know how many hours in a week, and you just sit down and say, I spend 22 hours a week doing this. You know, I know that the first thing you're going to do, you're going to take off, you know, eight hours a night to sleep because you, you need that. Then you take your eating, your travel time, everything else. And everyone looks at that, and they're just so amazed. And I sit down, would you like to know what? is really going on in your life because you're not spending that much time because there isn't that much time. Right. And just about, I don't know how old you are, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm 68 years old and I do an awful lot in my 24 hours. And uh, I just want everyone to be able to take a step back and look at what God has given them and breathe. Mm. And keep their hearts healthy. Their physical hearts and their spiritual hearts both exactly. need to be healthy. Exactly. And they need to be healthy for their families. I love that, Betty. I think that is wonderful. You know, so many women out there, they struggle. They have all the burdens that they put on themselves. And sometimes it has a little bit to do with organization and, and figuring out how to make those things simpler in our life so that we can um, connect with God and connect with our family. Well, we are almost out of time, so let me give you just a, a moment because there may be someone out there that's maybe struggling with AFib or, or some kind of um, disease or, or illness that 
maybe they aren't a candidate for that type of surgery or maybe they just need some encouragement. What is something, because you've walked this journey and you know what you need to say to be encouraging. So what is something you can encourage to those women? Okay, first of all, listen to your body. If you can feel your heart racing at night when you lay down and you relax, you need to call your doctor and make an appointment and just tell him what's going on. It may just be some stress, and they will tell you to de-stress, which is always good. They're always telling me to do that. But you need to listen to your body. If you can hear your heart beating in your ears, you need to let your doctor know that. Because that's one of the first signs. If you have shortness of breath when you go for a walk or you walk upstairs, you need to tell who your doctor's this. If you've been diagnosed with atrial fib, you I'm not giving medical advice. There are doctors that what they call themselves plumbers and then there are doctors who are electricians. If you've been diagnosed with atrial fib, that is an electrical problem within your heart, mm-hmm. and you need to see an electrophysiologist. And they are the doctors that deal specifically in the electrical part of the heart. You need to eat, eat healthy, watch your cholesterol, and I have four fingers pointing back at me when that <laughs> happens because I'm a southern cook and help it I am. But I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm very. I'm overweight, so that's one thing. If you're overweight, that it can help. But and I even have a friend who's 25 years old, and she's already had a pacemaker put in for atrial fib. Wow. And so, yeah, and uh, it can strike at any age. And I seem to know more women who have atrial fib than I do men. Hmm. And I don't know if it's just something that's wrong with it, but mine was congenital. And I do have a cousin who has had surgery three times for his. And uh, so just get it checked. Just get your heart checked. And when you go to a doctor, they don't usually do an EKG, but you can request one and just tell him you want to be checked and let him look at it. But just a regular TV can do that. Yeah. I love how you said, listen to your body. So, Betty, one last question. Did God give you a scripture that that you just hang on to? Yes. The one, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. Hmm. He gives me hope. My word this year is hope. And my hope is in Lord Jesus Christ. Without him, I have no hope. Oh, wow. That is exactly right. And through through all this, every time we've been in the hospital, we have been able to witness to someone and to see someone's life change before they left our room. Mm-hmm. And I know it's to his glory. All this is to his glory. Exactly. Well, I agree. God's not finished with you yet, and I'm so thankful that no, he's not. Ma'am. <laughs> well, Betty, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. And, for, and I look forward to being part of my faith journey. Well, great, great. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know you better. 
And for those of you that are listening, I want to thank you also for joining us. You can find Betty again at uh, www.heartandhomeministry.com. And then you can find us, My Journey of Faith, on Facebook, on My Journey of Faith radio page, or on our website, www.myjourneyoffaith.com. Until next week, I want to encourage you, get into God's Word. Maybe pray that psalm that we talked about at the first, you know, Psalms 5110. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit with me. And remember to share your personal journey of faith with those in your sphere of influence, because your um, story will make God famous. Until next week, bye-bye.